TalkZone.com David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. Elliot, even lovely ladies get sick. Yeah, Can you believe that? I, I I do. I'm disappointed. Sierra Price, Miss November in uh, Playboy, the Playboy Playmate, was supposed to be on the show today. But sadly, very sadly for those of us who were anticipating talking with her, she has the flu. And hopefully she'll be on another time. But we, in life, we learn to get over these disappointments and move on. Exactly. I mean, if there's some lovely lady watching the show who wants to do an interview, you could call in. We're available. We're always looking for lovely ladies, but we have a filled show today. We have Marilyn, the USA Today writer. Marlon Garcia. Marlon Garcia, sorry. And we That's also okay. have Connie Hawkins, NBA Hall of Famer. Yes. And he played a little basketball in the ABA once upon a time as well. They said if he went right from the NBA instead of going to the ABA, the numbers would have been phenomenal. Well, he, he didn't go to, to college, and uh, we'll get into a story later. But, yeah, if, if he had had a full NBA career, he would have been among the top-tier players of all time. Because he was kind of like Dr. J. He got, in the end of his 20s, got into the NBA. Right. 27, I think, is when he uh, finally made it to the NBA, and... Back in the day when you didn't have ESPN and all all the other access to uh, athletes and things like that, you only read about them. And the, the stories you would read about or hear about, you know, you wish you could see him play. He was incredible from what I heard. Yeah, that's that's what they say he was. I turn on ESPN and all I'm hearing all week is Tebow this, Tebow that. See, I'm, I'm waiting for the next or probably the first great atheist athlete to come along and point nowhere and praise nobody, just hard work and, I think, in in the case of the Denver Broncos, a bit of luck. I'll tell you what, though. But they asked him, did God make you win the game? He goes, no, God doesn't care who wins. You don't think God has money on the games? I don't think so. No. You you think he or she He made Marion Barber fumble the ball or run out of bounds? I think Marion Barber made Marion Barber fumble the ball. With the running out of bounds, they said Marion was looking to get his 100 yards, and that was his goal. If that is the case, he should have been cut the next day. You know, if the Bears had any depth and they had a, a management and a coach who was so inclined, he that's unpardonable. You, you, your goal is to stay in bounds. It doesn't matter whether you gain yards. You're trying to kill the clock. You, you get close enough to the sidelines where you get knocked out of bounds – in a perfect world, you do that, you get cut. I don't think Marion Barber is an elite running back that, gee, they're really going to miss him. But the Bears have so little at running back with Matt Forte injured. And, you know, basically Khalil Bell is is all. He's else similar that. to Barber. They're power runners up the middle. They're not going to break it outside. You know. But why don't you pass the ball? One time you pass <laughs> the ball, he overthrows Barber, and they quit passing. I mean, if you know a team's going to run, it's not that hard to stop them, even if you are Denver. But with Caleb Haney's accuracy or lack thereof, 
uh, you know, all the pass does is stop the clock. It's not going to gain you too many yards. But it it was. And then you go into prevent defense. It's it was either the perfect storm or the imperfect storm that led to the Bears losing at Denver. But let's get to our next guest, Elliot. Someone you're very familiar with. Our first guest. What do you mean for that? Oh yes, I remember her from the days when she used to cover the Chicago Bulls. Marlon Garcia, how are you? I'm fine, guys. How are you doing? Good. We're enjoying unseasonably warm temperatures in Chicago, where it's in the mid 40s in December. Which you know, we'll take it while we can. That rain does not become snow. We're all good. Definitely. So, Marlon, who are you covering right now? Which sport? Basketball, football? I am doing college basketball, and uh, I have my hands full. There are a lot of good stories out there, but as you know, there's some scandals, too, and uh, unfortunately, that's taken me out to Syracuse, New York, uh, quite a bit in the last few weeks um, to cover allegations against a former coach over at Syracuse. It's not all fine in Syracuse, I see. Oh, that's a good one. No, it's not. David is the master of bad puns. He'll also give you 1970s cultural references if you'd like. Well, I may need him as a lawyer one day, so I'll be nice to him. Okay. So what's going on in Syracuse? I'm sorry? What's going on with Syracuse? Any more insight into this whole fine fiasco? Well, there is a fourth victim that's come forward now, Uh that's gone public. It's a victim that the district attorney discredited in a news conference last week, but he's uh, since gone public. I think maybe he feels like he's paint, you know, painted in a corner and um, had to go public you know, to dispute uh, what the district attorney said about him. But there are four victims out there that we know of, two that the district attorney finds credible, two that he doesn't find credible, and against all of this, Syracuse is having a great basketball season, and they're ranked number one right now. Now, Jim Beheim has come under a little attack as the Syracuse coach initially rushed to the defense of his assistant and later had to backtrack. How do you view his status? Is he secure, or is he sort of paternal-esque in that he could be out of a, of a job any day now? I think he's secure, and I think before Jim Beheim would ever get fired, he would probably just retire. I mean, he's in his 60s, and I don't think, you know, I there's a line of succession there, you know, already to, to succeed him as coach. And um, I I don't see a position where they're not going to get rid of him, yet he ha- he put them in a really, really tough position. I don't know if you guys saw the press conference earlier this week. Gloria Allred, uh, the woman who a couple years ago uh, was representing one of Tiger Woods' mistresses, mm-hmm. uh, the very famous Gloria Allred, is now representing two of the alleged victims in a defamation case against Beheim and the university. Beheim put the university and himself in a really, really tough spot by coming out just so harshly against the alleged victims. This is so similar to Penn State, though. I mean, the assistant coach was good friends with the coach, has been with him for years, his right-hand man, and how do you turn on him? Well, I think, you know, in basketball circles, I think people would say, you know, well, Beheim is loyal, and we see a lot of that in sports, loyalty, and all he was doing was defending a good friend. Well, these days, you know, college basketball coaches are seen as CEOs of their programs. You cannot come out swinging like that 
when when it's a legal issue, when it's a potentially a criminal issue, you cannot. And as the CEO of a program, you have to know better. And and he well, unfortunately, he kept going. I mean, after the first day, uh, you know, where he called them liars and said they were out for money. You know, the next day he did another interview, came out swinging again, and just was defiant in his press conferences in the days that followed until finally, I'm still not sure what made him see the light or who made him see the light, but he backed down from the comments and, and apologized basically to, to victims, abuse victims across the country for, you know, being insensitive. Um, and, and to these guys, Bobby Davis and Mike Lane, who are the victims deemed credible, who are now represented by Gloria Allred in that defamation suit. Now, even with Gloria Allred as your legal representation, defamation is a, is a tricky case to win, is it not? It's, it's really tricky. I wrote about that today. I was talking to some uh, litigators last night on the phone, and um, it's really hard because, you know, the First, the first Amendment gives you rights to speak, and so... It's, um, there's a lot of legalese involved, but um, what Gloria Allred is so good at, it seems, is um, winning in the court of public opinion. And that's where Syracuse and Jim Beheim have a real image problem or you know, reputa- problem for their reputation because she's really good in that way. Um, but, yeah, defamation in court, um, I mean, th- are these guys because they went to ESPN and and aired the accusations on TV, did they make themselves public figures? I mean, in the lawsuit, she says they're private citizens. There's a you know bigger burden of proof uh, if you're a public figure, if you're going to say you were defamed. So it's very tricky. Um, and then, you know, do you settle just to get this out of the way? Well, then, you know, you're admitting fault. So um, it's just, if nothing else, in the court of public opinion, uh, Syracuse is in a bind. With the situation with ESPN, though, they knew about this. They had some tapes, and they basically decided that they felt they didn't have enough information to go forward. But don't you think you have an obligation to turn this over to the police, even if you don't want to report it as a story? I don't know. I think I think reporters, editors are probably split 50-50 on, on that call. Um, you know, you don't have an obligation to go to police. Now, morally... I mean, morally, that's right. what I'm talking about. Right. Well, I mean, morally, it's a little different, but, I, you know, I, if I were in that position, I'd like to think that I could find a way to ethically, as a journalist, say, I need to get comment on this. I want to know, you know, what they think or something, but, but you don't know. And editors have a, have a say in this, too. I mean, these people are smart people. You're the Syracuse Post Standard and ESPN with the tape. And both came to the same conclusion. So I think I think it's fifty fifty. I'm not going to defend anyone, but it's uh it's definitely very tricky. I mean Elliot, you sounds like you would go you would find a way to put this out there. I would I would like to think so. I you know, I don't have a business relationship with Syracuse University's basketball team. ESPN does. And I think that that's the big difference. If all of a sudden ESPN goes to the police and it somehow impact Syracuse basketball, then it diminishes ESPN's college basketball product. But, you know, it, it, at some point you'd like to think that there's moral fiber even within a, a corporate context. 
but apparently that wasn't the case. And you, you can listen to uh, what some of the ESPN spokesmen say and what they write and all this other stuff. But bottom line is child molestation, it, you know, it's not like, oh, Bernie Fine took $5 out of my locker. Th- th- this is serious stuff. I know, I know. I love your perspective, by the way, on the behind-the-scenes dealings that could be going on and the position ESPN is in. But remember the post, well, the, and the post standard, you know, you, you, you wonder too, although I gotta tell you, they've done a great job reporting this story since it broke on ESPN. But you have to wonder too, I mean, they have a relationship with Syracuse and with Jim Beheim and with covering the team. And, you know, you better be darn sure of the allegations or, you know, have a confidence in them. If you're going to to go up against Jim Beheim and and the university, and maybe they just didn't feel like they didn't. Is Beheim happy with the way the press is covering this, or is he kind of getting on the press saying, "What are you doing to me?" Well, he's not talking to me. Why? So. <laughs> was it um, was it something you said? Possibly, but no. I you know I don't know. I I think with the local guys and with the national people that he's always, that he's known for a long time, he, he's a, he doesn't know me very well. We've talked a couple of times and in the, the last press conference, I had a lot of questions for him, obviously, like a lot of other people did. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know what he, what he's really thinking. I mean, to, as a credit to his players, I mean, they, they actually said the right thing after everything happened. Um, and they were really supportive of Coach Fine, but, um, you know, they actually said the right things, kept it about basketball and said they appreciated everything that he did. Um, so the players have actually handled this a lot better, if you ask me, than, than Coach Beheim. Um, that said, I mean, Coach Beheim has done a better job in the last, you know, what, week or so, in the last couple of weeks. He's done a better job handling it, but... Yeah. But he started off so abysmally that, you know, if this guy hadn't been at Syracuse as long as he had been, if he'd been there, say, three, four, five years and said something like that, you have the feeling he'd be out on his ear. Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, I don't want to defend Jim Beheim, but I will say this, you know, you're at a place for a long time and it does buy you goodwill and it does buy you the benefit of the doubt. Like Penn so, State with Joe Paterno? Oh, gosh, isn't that ugly? I, I think he was there a little too long. <laughs> you know, it's weird with um, with Penn State and Joe Paterno. I was at a, you know, I would attend the Big Big Ten Media Day, Football Media Day, and it seemed to me that, you know, the question would come up with Paterno, how long do you plan to stay? And he would kind of, you know, blow off the question in a nice way, you know, make a joke. And I was thinking, you know, how do I get this guy to answer the question? You know, my editor was on me. You know, you got to ask it. Everybody wants to know. Maybe he'll answer it. And so I, you know, said, you know, Coach Paterno, I have followed your career for a long time. And, you know, my feeling is that, you know, you're going to coach until the day you die. What what do you think of that? And um, the hate mail I got, you wouldn't have <laughs> believed it. The hate mail my editors got. How dare you ask Joe Paterno that question? He's just this old, nice old man, and how can you ask a man in his 80s that question? And I thought, he's still the head coach. He's still the head coach. He's still, you know, you, you still have to ask the guy questions. And that, to me, it showed me just how insulated and how protected he was. 
uh, in that community that, you know, people were just so sensitive to anything about Joe Paterno. And um, it was a little absurd, too, if you ask me. I would say so. The guy's coaching in his 80s. You ask him if you're going to coach till you die. I think that's a reasonable question. But you're also dealing with one of the most influential people in the whole state of Pennsylvania, not just in state college. And you see as this uh, Jerry Sandusky saga unfolds, how widespread the tentacles are of Penn State and Joe Paterno and the, everything seems so intertwined that, you you know, to get a fair trial, you might have to go to uh, to Ohio. Unless you plea, right? Unless you... Well, that, the, but, but he's never going to plea, right? His lawyer says, oh, we're never going to plea. But why else would they waive that hearing the other day? I mean, that... I well, how about the way that they waived the hearing? Uh, the witnesses are all set to testify you know, ready to go at the courthouse, and oh, we're going to waive it. I mean, to me, that's just another I- abuse incident right there. The, re- the reason I think he waived it is he didn't want these witnesses testifying because, again, it makes it harder to plea because people are going to say, look what these people are going to testify to. So now everybody's going to speculate what they're going to say, whereas if you did the preliminary hearing, that you would have known what they were going to say. Well, so I think there is a plea in... Because, look, you got the governor who was involved at the time when the well, initial investigation. He was the attorney general. So you don't think the governor's in the state's attorney's area saying, okay, here's what's going to happen. You're going to make an offer right before the trial, give him a couple years in jail, and Sandusky, you're going to take it here, and we're going to do it on a slow media day, basically not during the football season, and then we're going to come back and say we didn't have the strongest case and have all the excuses in the world because they do not want these kids testifying because it'll be like the O.J. Simpson trial. Well, you know what's interesting, though, too? Now we're hearing about this assistant McQuarrie and how his statements seem to be conflicting with different people. So I'm really interested uh, in seeing how his credibility plays out um, because, you know, we're hearing uh, from... He saw something, he didn't see something. But but that's only one incident. That's true. There there are other cases. I I know Sandusky's lawyer was saying, oh, the credibility of Mike McQuarrie is in question. Okay. Let's say it is. That's that's one. The janitor's got Alzheimer's or dementia. Everybody else is going to disappear <laughs> off the face of the earth magically, right? No, but that's only one incident. There's probably close to a dozen more. The problem is there is no one who actually saw it took place. It's he said, she said, and there's no physical evidence. That's part of the problem. There's no DNA. I think even with the plea agreement, he's still looking at a lot of years. I really do. Because I don't think they can let this go with a couple of years. I just I, I can't see that. A, I, I, they're hoping he dies. They a, slap, he, a slap on the wrist for, for child abuse? For No, they're not. What's going to happen is they're going to drag this along, and they're hoping Paterno drops, and then Sandusky drops, and have to deal with it. But if Sandusky's around, then who knows what's going to happen. He might have dementia, physical issues. They'll come up with some excuse. Wow. <laughs> All right, well. There's your lawyer talking to you. <laughs> but you don't want this to go to trial. If you're the governor, the state's attorney, or Sandusky's people, you don't want it. Is, is there it, a way to delay it, delay it, delay you it? You could delay it forever. Look at this R. Kelly fiasco in Chicago. How long did that go on before he finally went to trial? Yeah, that did go on forever. I mean, you could drag this along. Look at the guy in uh, Bolingbroke right now, the former cop. That thing's been going on. Yeah. He's sitting in jail. Drew Peterson. You could, I mean, you could drag it if you want. They'll have all kinds of excuses. They'll, they'll drag it on until Joe Pod dies? Exactly. Which reports, r- reports have it that he's in failing health? He just, he, well, just, he just fell down and broke his pelvis again? I know. You know what? I mean, oh, gosh, I don't know if I should say this, but I'll say Nobody's it, but... listening. It's okay. It's <laughs> okay. just the three of us. Well, 
But here's the thing, too. I mean, I've, I always wondered with Joe Paterno, is it a situation where once he stopped coaching, would he decline rapidly? Because we see that in elderly people. You Bear know, that, Bryant. Yeah. That, you know, you, you take away something that they love with um, a friend of our family's. It was the dog. The family dog died. And, our, you know, he was an older gentleman. He died two weeks later. You know, it's like taking away the car keys of an elderly person, you know, who's 90 years old and, and wants to keep driving. Well, they feel like that's the last thing they can hang on to. Um, but hopefully, you know, I don't wish ill health on anyone. Um, but it has crossed my mind, you know, that, uh, you know, for Paterno, was this something that he was hanging on to that gave him a reason, you know, to get up every morning? Is well, it like Beautiful Woman with Elliot? Exactly. <laughs> I knew Beautiful Woman with Elliot would come up sooner or later. But foot, Joe Paterno was football, and football was Joe Paterno. The two were so intertwined, even though he came across as a wonderful human being, and we find out that he probably wasn't as wonderful. Maybe he was wonderful relative to other college football coaches. I don't know. But Joe Paterno seemed like a mensch, a decent human being. And then for this to come out so late in life, you wonder, were we all fooled for all those decades? Was Was he not as much a quality human being over all this time, or is this something developed later in life? It it just creates all sorts of questions that there are really no answers for. All right, guys, hang on a second. I got to debate that point. He did a lot of wonderful things for charities, for that community, and for the university. What I think maybe happened um, is that, uh, you know, he got too powerful. He became too powerful, and and sometimes, you know, well, we see worldwide what happens when people get, you know, are, are, are given, bestowed with too much power. And, and that, oh, my gosh, football to me is a, is a great case. And basketball to some degree, what happens when, when coaches become too influential. But he did do a lot of wonderful things. And, and we don't know the extent. I mean, unless Sandusky goes to trial... Uh, we really don't know the extent of what Joe Paterno knew. Now, you you know that doesn't excuse him from you know barring Sandusky or or you know taking because he really did run the athletic department. I mean, it's funny when you hear people say, "Well, he took it to Tim Curley and and the you know a, a vice president of the school." Well, you know he was really he really called the shots, and we know that. But that said, I mean, sometimes people go into denial over horrible things, such you know, criminal acts. You know, people don't want to believe it. And so we don't know what was going through his mind. Um, and I don't want to – I will say that he became too powerful. Nobody – no football coach should have that much power. Nobody at an institution should have that much power. Well, sure, Bobby Knight. He – well, <laughs> there, that's there's, another another story another for another another day. Of, of somebody who had too much power, and uh, and then finally somebody stood up to him. Now you talk about what Paterno knew and what he didn't know, and I you get the impression what he didn't know was what he didn't want to know, sort of sticking his head in the sand or turning a blind eye to things that may have been going on. It's it's like my wife goes shopping. I don't I don't want to hear what you bought. I'm glad to hear that. That's the way I like to live my life. <laughs> but um, we're, no, my husband doesn't know what I bought. Um, but uh, 
nevertheless, we, we just don't know. And he has taken a beating in the public, and, um, and I just think that mm, we really need to wait and see a little bit. I'm not excusing anything that he did. I mean, I have more of a problem with, you know, how he insulated himself and how the university helped him do that. And you just, there was no access. And um, so how, you know, it was, they just made it really hard for, for people to, to really know the program outside of what you saw on the surface. You know, on the surface, you saw Happy Valley. And um, so it bothered me that he had that much control. And it will bother me tremendously, you know, if, if the things that that we're speculating about are are true, but for now he does have to get a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, just a little. So let's on a lighter mo- moment or no, let's go to Illinois. How are they undefeated in basketball? Barely. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see any talent on that team. Well, you know what? Well, it'll be a good test on Saturday. UNLV comes to town to play them at the United Center. And um, and then we'll and then we'll probably know a little better. And they have to play Missouri, and Missouri's going to be a really hard game for them. So there are a number of teams right now that are undefeated, probably about a dozen, and about half of them you could say, you know, how is that the case? Um, but Illinois, I think in the next two weeks you'll really find out how good they are because UNLV is a much improved team. They beat North Carolina. Uh, earlier this season, and um, and they'll give Illinois a very good game. So it's not Bruce Weber, or it is Bruce Weber? What do you mean? For the reason for the Illini success. Oh, Bruce is an excellent coach, you guys. I I, I know that that's debated in Chicago. <laughs> um, I covered Illinois for two seasons, the, you know, the Sweet 16 year that was followed by the Final Four year. Bruce is an excellent coach. Now, recruiting... Is another, you know, that that goes hand in hand with being an excellent coach, and I think recruiting um, has you know has been an issue for Illinois definitely. Scotty Pippen was in the news yesterday with the whole defamation of character lawsuit. Have your editors told you to watch what you say or your fellow writers because they're afraid of lawsuits? Even though before, I mean, to basically defame a public figure was almost impossible. Well, I think, especially at USA Today, because we're a national paper, I, I think um, they, they, they really want us to be careful. Sometimes I have to fight my editors a little bit because I want to do a little bit more of analysis, and, and, um, and they're reluctant. Um, it, they're very, very careful, and for good reason. I've, you know, obviously, in the long run, you're glad for that. Still, I'd like a little bit more wiggle room. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are... Especially with these cases that we're dealing with, I mean, you just you just have to be careful so that nothing comes back to haunt you. I mean, I you don't want to be well, you know, Jim Beheim. You don't want Gloria Aldred up your butt <laughs> or anywhere right. near your butt. <laughs> She's a tough lady, really, really tough. Okay, David was wondering about Illinois. I'll wonder about Missouri. How good is Missouri? There's another one that I'm not really sure about. Um, you know, they have a new coach. And they're playing really well. I would favor them over Illinois in the game they're going to play. What when do they play on the the twenty second or the twenty third? Um, they've got one of the nation's leading scorers, and um, and Frank Hayes has, is, has done a really great job uh, in taking over the team. But uh, but still, 
It's like Louisville. Louisville's in our top five in the USA Today coaches poll. They're number four. And I don't think Louisville is really number four. So there are some of these teams. The teams I'm really confident in are, um, and I'm not saying they're obviously not going to go undefeated. Ohio State already has a loss. Kentucky already has a loss. But um, who's going like, to win it all? You got your final four picked yet? <laughs> oh, my final four changes all the time. I like North Carolina to win it all, and I think actually they're down to number six in the coaches poll, and I think that um, that suits them very well, and I think that takes off some of the, you know, relieves some of the pressure off them, and they can play a little bit more freely, and it'll be to their benefit. So I still like North Carolina to win it all, even though, you know, they're 8-2 and two right now. Who's got the best-looking cheerleaders in college basketball? <gasps> that's the important Elliot, stuff here. is that you? That's, no, that's that, me. That was David. I, I, have, I have a feeling my influence might be rubbing off on him. See, I, I knew this would come up. Your your friend over there, Jerry Lorenzi? Yes. I, yes. To, I told him this was going to come up. I've I've known Jerry Lorenzi uh, since he was a boy. He's another um, bad influence here. Is he a, was he a ladies' man back in the day? Hey, I you know what? What happened 16 years ago stays back 16 years ago. Um, he's a former basketball player. Sure. You know, Scott Drew had some stories to tell us about him. What happens in Valpo stays in Valpo. That's what he was saying. <laughs> well, I'm not throwing Jerry under the bus. He's a very good friend, and... Um, and I appreciate the friendship. But, um, yeah, you know, on the USA Today website, on our homepage, we run photos of, like, the cheer- of cheerleaders, you know, of sun- in last Sunday's cheerleaders. Oh, guys, that makes me sick. Are, are, you, are, are you fighting for the male cheerleaders to be included? Heck no. <laughs> you know, I, let's just keep it about the sports. Elliot, have you heard from Anna Kornikova lately? Not lately. You know, she wrapped up Biggest Loser uh, last night, was it? The other night I yeah. saw it. That that concluded her uh, effort on The Biggest Loser. My well, wife said she was terrible on the show. Yeah, well. I kind of wondered why they picked her, but Elliot's infatuation with Anna Kornikova crack, would crack me up. I mean, it was... It's probably about the only time I didn't mind seeing a picture of a woman in the newspaper, just because I, I thought... It was all in good fun. It was. It still is. Aaron Andrews, Kornikova, you ran a bunch of them. You name them. It's all, f- all for fun. Right, David? Exactly. Who was the Hispanic journalist we had on uh, several months ago? Inez, the one who caused Inez the fuss? Sands. Yeah. Is she the one who caused the fuss in the Jets locker room? Yep. She didn't cause it. The players caused right. it. Right. Because she did her job. Yeah, but I think the way she might have been dressed... Caused a reaction from the players, and I'm not ex- Guys, uh, I'm not excusing the the reaction of the Jets players or anything like that. The players are professionals. You're supposed to be professional. They're football no players. What? what do you want from them? Oh uh, no, 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 guys, that doesn't fly. You are a professional athlete. You should act, you should act that way. No, you know, and that's I'll yeah. put more of the blame on the players. That's the way they act. How are you treating the locker room? I'm I've never had a problem. Except once covering the Bulls, it was really strange. One of the players was changing, and he was like, can you please leave? I was like, what is this? I'm not going to tell you who it was. But it was strange, because out of nowhere. Um, and no, but I'm, I've never had a problem. The Bulls were terrific. The college, college athletes that I deal with are terrific. Um, you know, some of the coaches are, um, I mean, they're, they're fine with me, too, but you get the feeling that they're, older school coaches and you know they're used to dealing with um the guys you know like the beat guys that of the old 
of the old days. And those are coaches that I hope retire soon. <laughs> you don't want to see, you don't want to see Charlie Weiss walking around in a towel. Well, the it younger would, coaches. It, it would take more than one towel, I think. <laughs> I won't go there. It's Good. nice. Don't, that's not nice to do that. To Omar the tent maker. This is what I told Jerry. I'm like, I don't want to be on when Miss November comes on. I mean, that's uh, Miss November's under the weather. She called in sick. Yeah, you see, I would never do that. You're our Miss <laughs> December. You're a trooper. There you go. I'd come on with the flu or anything. There you go. But, um, no, the, the younger coaches, though, in general, they, they're more vibrant and they, you know, they're more accepting of, of different generations of journalists. They're more accepting of new media. And so I really like that. You don't want the old curmudgeons. Well, let's just say that Bob Knight retired not long after I went on the national beat, and it didn't bother me a bit. <laughs> but was... I will say this. I love to watch Bob Knight's analysis. I mean, he's not, he's not great on ESPN, you know, as a commentator, but when they put him on, you know, on a, on a whiteboard or with a blackboard, and they have him doing X's and O's, I love to watch that. I, I really do. I mean, he's... He was a, a he is and was a, a great teacher of basketball, and he he was a motivator. You know what? And I'll say this too: Coach K is getting up there in age. He's in his sixties. He's I think you know he's changed with the times. He's pretty good too, and I think um, you know coaching USA basketball uh, when he talks about being revitalized, I think there's some truth in that. Now he's still kind of inaccessible. Um, I actually had a conversation with him, and I said to him. Now, so few people really, really know you. I said, and when you sit down with people, you're, I said, you're, you're charming, engaging, even nice, coach. But how are people supposed to know that? <laughs> and, um, you know, and he's like, well, you know, it's not my job for people to get to know me and, you know, I have to coach. But, um, but Coach K has, I think, changed with the times and, and I, I'm, I'm glad for that. One last question. Who is the best coach in college basketball? Oh, no. No, you can't expect me to answer that. Best coach, best recruiter, best of the combined. What what are you asking here? All around. The most well-rounded and not Rick Majerus. But I'm bump. Coach K. There we go. Coach K. And he's the most successful, got the most wins, uh, brought USA basketball back together. Um, because, I mean, there were stars on those teams that weren't doing, doing it, you know, and he's changed that culture. Um, and so I'd have to go with Coach K. I think that no one could argue with that. Thank you so much for your time, Marilyn. It was a pleasure talking to you. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you, guys, and thanks for not talking about women too much. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> Next time. Okay. It's USA Today writer Marilyn Garcia. It was a pleasure talking to her. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to have on Basketball Hall of Famer Connie Hawkins. Stay tuned.